we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 1,176 days into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and joining us exclusively from his doom and gloom room, Marty Foster. Marty, how are you? Uh, Fed's middling. Thank you very much for asking. Not that psychotic this week. Borderline, though. Borderline. Always simmering on the point of psychotic. Okay. Well, we'll see if we can do something about that today. I made Bruce psychotic the last two days, so yeah, I, I think he's calmed I, down a little bit. I, I definitely felt the same way. When I heard that woke, dumbass woman describe her seven-year-old son as non-binary and distraught that Target had moved its pride display. We're not welcome here anymore. For God's sake, you shouldn't be welcome um, anywhere where there's oxygen, woman, quite frankly, uh, if you're going to do that to your kids. It's disgusting. So, yeah, I understand exactly where Bruce um, was getting his anger from. Bruce, how are you today? Healthy and alive. I uh, was not surprised with any uh, videos beforehand, so <laughs> pretty chill. No, no, there's no videos today. I Well, uh, there might be a couple, but uh, I, I have one surprise for you at the end, Marty. I, I'll just, I'll, I'll save that. Uh, but I, I, I don't... Hardly wait. Yeah, there's not going to be any audio to it, though, I'm, I'm sorry to say. So, uh, well, there, I'll have there to is narrate that. it, won't I? Yes, Otherwise, yeah, it, you indeed. know. Big bits of blank hair doesn't really work on a podcast on an audio podcast. Yeah, that's true. Well, we have a little we have a little uh, software thing that actually fixes that for us, so we don't have to worry about that. Right. But I thought that we would start out with, uh, as customary, the last couple of podcasts. What's been on your mind this week? I talked to you on the phone yesterday, and boy, you were just not in a good mood, or maybe I caught you at a bad time, or or something like that. Hey, the good news is is that we're having another poker game on Saturday that you're welcome to join. Uh Saturday this this weekend I'm at a party. Oh, okay, um, all right. Which will will be it's it's one of those friends who says I'll do something when it affects me. Oh, and I I've been I've been repeating a mantra to myself. I must not call bleep an idiot. I must not call bleep an idiot all week so that, you know, I don't spoil the party. But yeah, I've, I've been playing poker, that game, because it's free and doesn't cost any, you know, no money uh, exchanges hands. And I've been getting better at it. But then I have just lost a huge bankroll that I'd built up with a succession of really silly all-ins. So um, yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to, build up some skills again. 
before we play again. Well, we'll have to make sure that we can uh, we can get you back on track before we sit down at the table the next time. Anyhow, back to uh, the original question. What has been on your mind this week? What would you like to discuss? A couple of things that have been ticking over in my mind. I haven't watched much of the news this week. I watched a few minutes while I was eating before coming out to record this. And the question was posed from a state uh, from a, a quote from i believe socrates it's one of the the greek polymaths you know socrates aristotle plato those those types which was the quote was poverty is the mother of crime and that got me thinking in, in a very short space of time that indeed mother would be the wrong term because by that i'm sure the philosopher meant it gives birth to crime. But there's several different types of crime, aren't there? You know, it doesn't matter whether you're poor or as rich as Crassus, who I believe was a Roman. There's there's crimes that go with each of those stages of wealth. And, uh, you know, the, the rich get greedier and greedier and commit all kinds of what we politely call white-collar crime. But the poor... And I mean decent poor people who've got a good moral code are being forced into a situation where they are breaking the law. For instance, with this, and it was a this is a quote from one of the people on the panel this evening. It's not a cost of living crisis that we're in; it's a cost of greed crisis. So energy prices being through the roof, food prices going up and up and up. People are having to make choices. And one of the first bad choices that they might make is not to pay their car tax, not to pay their car insurance, not to get their car MOT'd, but still use the vehicle. So they're breaking the law because they need their vehicle, but they can't afford to run it anymore. So in that respect, certainly, yes, poverty can be the mother of crime. This was a conversation you heard on a discussion panel on television, I'm assuming? Yeah, yeah, this evening. So, and i i can't I can't help but kind of take note of the fact that they're making it about a class struggle. It seems like. Well, certainly one of the speakers was making it about a class struggle. A sixty-something charity worker works for a foundation, and obviously very left-wing. I say obviously, but it was bloody obvious that he was extremely left-wing. And the other commentator. Uh, was an author. I don't know what she'd written, but obviously it was relevant to the subject. But the anchor was was putting it down to, isn't it just an excuse used by criminals to excuse their bad behavior? You know, I'm poor, so I steal. Who's the criminal in this case? What what point were they trying to make? Who's the criminal in this case? Was it the companies or the regulatory bodies that are enforcing these things on people that can't afford them? Or was it the person that is foregoing the regulations of this in order to carry out their daily business and they become a criminal as a result? Well, that indeed is is exactly the, the, the dichotomy, isn't it? Who is the criminal here? Is it the organization or the establishment that's forcing an individual to get into debt, renege on obligations, legal obligations, or is it the person that doesn't tax their vehicle or doesn't pay their rent or, you know, miss payments on, on a loan or, or something because they simply can't afford to eat, be warm enough and get to their work? 
because of the way prices have, have risen. This was the argument or you know, the, the idea being put forward on that panel show. If you take drugs and sorry, for instance, not if you take drugs, but if you if we use drug dealing as an example, that's never good. Someone has to have zero moral compass to sell people stuff that will will kill them. But the excuse, oh, I'm really poor. I come from a deprived background with, uh, you know, a single parent family and so on. Well, I've got news for you, everyone. I came from a single parent family. I came from a council house, working class, and I've never sold drugs. I've never committed a burglary. I've never done anything of that nature. The difference between me and those that do is somehow I managed to get a moral compass and know the difference between right and wrong. But if push came to shove and I needed to use my vehicle but couldn't afford to tax it, I'm pretty sure I'd use my vehicle. Uh, I said in prep, talking about this, technically, uh, I know we have taxes to pay for things like roads and those kind of things, but the government misuses those taxes. Uh, so I, I honestly think it, it, it's extortion. It, we should have systems in place to reduce the amount of taxes that's there. And really, the taxes should only be there should, my opinion, there should only be one tax. And then the government's required to reduce itself down to provide the best efficiency and uh, bang for your buck, basically. And if we're if we have problems with roads, um, maybe uh, look at um, or just infrastructure in general, uh, maybe look at, uh, you know, like a road naming scenario to where a company could pay for uh, upkeep of the road and they get their name on it, you know, or especially iconic locations, those kind of things. Maybe some tax credits or something for doing it. What what have you, you know, some kind of benefit to do that. I don't think it should be just the government doing this because they are absolutely horrible when it comes to doing that here. Let me give you an example. Roads here, they they try to get the cheapest contract they can. Then the company comes in and they extort uh, more money out of them because it took longer than it should have. Uh, finger quotes there. Uh, and they do a shoddy job. The roads are needing patched up within a year. Uh, lots of cracking and that kind of stuff, which will happen because of the, the location we're at. And the, the, the climate going from freezing to, you know, boiling. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you you can use, there are some um, types of road that you can use, asphalt, that will uh, withstand that better. But anyway, all that to say, taxes, that I think is extortion. And when it comes to a point that you're unable to pay the taxes, at least here, they come in and foreclose your stuff and you lose, like, if you have escrow or any of that kind of stuff, you lose all of that. They, they take everything from you, basically. Um, there's actually cases that are going to the Supreme Court now because of this. And um, they've been siding with the homeowners so far. But no, nah, I just, I, I'm, I, I just. Government bad. I, I government get it. Bad. That, that's, that's what it boils down yeah. to. Yeah. But that, that is exactly as you say. Um, there, there used to be a series of sayings about in the army, in the military, try to look unimportant. The enemy might be low on ammunition. If the enemy's in range, so are you. And your weapon was made by the company that put in the lowest, or your body armor was made by the company that put in the lowest tender, the lowest bid. And yeah, a lot of stuff is shoddy. And, and there, there are better ways of doing these things. Just the other week, 
a arborist, a tree surgeon, knocked on our door. The local council had paid his company to trim some trees that go along the road because there were certain dead parts of the tree that needed trimming, but they would only pay for the bare minimum. They wouldn't pay for the big stuff to be done with the trees. So this guy, being fairly um, clever, switched on, came round and said, see those trees there? Is there any of those bits that you want taking off? Because we're going to do this, this and this, but the council will not pay for those bits, which are clearly obstructing your light. And um, because we were able to pay for it, uh, on to- he, he got paid twice for the same job, basically, um, which I think is really clever. And I'm not at all certain that I haven't been had, but I was quite happy. He fixed the price and I got all of the wood, which has now been turned into logs. And, um, you know, I, I pay about £100 for a tonne of logs every time I get it delivered. So I've got three tonne of logs. And it didn't cost me that much for him to do the extra work. Who made out on that deal? I think I think you uh, you got a pretty good deal, to be fair. I think, really, the local council, to which I pay council tax, should have paid the guy the right amount of money to do the job in the first place. And I probably would have got those logs for nothing anyway, because I'd have gone out and said, oh, if you're not going to use that, can I have it? And shifted it for them. So that that's the point. I think that's the point that Bruce is making, that there's better ways of doing this. Roads. Yeah, sure. Why not a bit of sponsorship? You know, get companies to do it. But at the end of the day, they're, they're, if if no company wants to, you wind up with a piece of road that is unusable and therefore road tax, car tax, vehicle tax, whatever they want to call it, is is meant to be there to pay for that. Same with national insurance there to pay for the NHS. The problem is, as Bruce rightly points out, governments and local governments are really bad at managing our money. And um, to to that point, I'd like to withhold my tax altogether until I retire. But I can't do that because the moment you do that, you become a criminal, you will go to jail, you will get prosecuted. So that's right. Um, you don't want to keep your money you don't want to become a criminal by keeping your money from the criminals. So you pay the, the criminals so you don't become a criminal. This is, it's an extortion. It, it is. Saying. It's legalized extortion. Yeah. It's a shakedown. That's what it is. In a nutshell, to sum up, is poverty the mother of crime? And to some extent, yes, it certainly is. But there are many levels of crime, as I said right at the start of this, some of which are only really open to the very rich. Because what's the point of doing a bit of tax evasion if you're if you're not earning or don't have a great deal? But if you have a lot, that tax evasion is actually more viable and more more of an option. Of course, they'll try and make it tax avoidance, put it offshore, do whatever. Are you bad mouthing the, the Irish economy? Sorry? Are you bad mouthing the Irish economy? Is that what I'm hearing? I've been I've been very, very careful not to badmouth the Irish for quite some time now. Um, <laughs> That's where they put all the businesses, the big corporations. Like Facebook has an office and there's like 10 employees in it over there. Yeah, that's yeah, how they pay no yeah. taxes. That's, that, that's right. And what taxes they do pay, they pay to, to, to Ireland, to the Republic of Ireland. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really clever way of um, not paying a lot of tax. And it, it is a crime. But it's not a crime because the people who write the statute books uh, are paid to write 
laws that people can find loopholes in. I was actually I was I was listening to an interview from uh, somewhere back in the '90s with George Soros, and he keeps a lot of his offices, and I think one of his main offices is in uh, Dublin. There, it's it's in Ireland, and they asked him about that. So, well, you know, you keep all that over there, you you don't pay any taxes, you avoid paying all these taxes on on all these funds that you do transactions for. And he says, if we're breaking any law, then you know we'll be happy to answer to it. But until then, yeah, we're not breaking yeah, I mean, any that, laws. That, that- that's why laws use a lot of Latin. It's to stop the average Joe or Josephine or Toaster from actually realising what's going on. They can't get to grips with it. We've spoken about this before. We've said there's nothing wrong with our system. It's the people within the system. But in some areas, there are bits of the system that really do need to be fixed, such as these these laws, these loopholes, where incredibly wealthy people get to keep all of their money, whereas averagely wealthy, in fact, in comparison, not wealthy at all people, get around about 40% of their money taken from them. That is true. That That is uh, no argument because uh, the more we, we have a saying in uh, in the US, I was going to say in English, but as you say, we're um, two countries divided by a common language. We have a which saying. Is, yeah, we have a saying, which is the more you make, the more they take. You see, there's a rhyme that in that, isn't there? And they, they say, if you want people to believe something... Uh, make a pithy little rhyme like that. And I did say pithy, not pissy. And people will believe it more. You know, like, um, I bet you can think of one. Uh, any any other one, like um, relating to drinking alcohol, for instance, if you mix it the wrong way. Like oh, beer yeah, and I've, wine, yeah, you'll that. be fine. Yeah, Whiskey and beer, you're bound to be queer. By that, I mean ill, unwell. They make these little rhymes up and people believe them as homespun wisdom. So, but in actual fact, no, the more you make, the more you get to keep because you can pay accountants, you can have offshore accounts, you can hide your money, you can use lawyers to fight it through the courts, taking so long that, you know, in the meantime, you've made a metric ton of interest on whatever the amount was that you're arguing for. It's a fair point, my friend. All right, moving right along here. I found this rather interesting as as Marty's enjoying his uh, his popsicle there. Uh, I found this rather interesting when I was uh, thumbing through just whatever obscure stories that I can find. The Chinese have sent uh, merchant salvage vessels out there to raise the wrecks of the HMS Prince of Wales and the HMS Repulse from the Second World War. Uh, these salvage operations, these vessels, they have been seized off the coast of Malaysia this afternoon. Just out of curiosity, in your considered and informed opinion, in your humble opinion, why in the world would they do this? There's a number of reasons why, or rather, I should say there's a number of reasons why it could be happening. I think the first thing that sprang to my mind, it's an insult. There could be any number of reasons, but the first one that sprang to mind, bearing in mind that those are war graves those ships being sunk by the Japanese during the Second World War is uh, as an insult. It's an outright insult to us, to the British. Another reason might be that area of the seabed might need to be cleared for some kind of submarine cable. Uh, It could be that. But also the warships during the Second World War all carried gold in case they needed to go into a port 
to use as 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 a as an acceptable currency to buy goods to help out to win hearts and minds just the same way as a lot of special forces guys carry a little belt of of gold sovereigns or or dollars to use if captured but so on those ships there is there will be a safe and it will contain gold that's another reason so insult subterranean a sub uh, aquatic cabling internet that kind of stuff or it's just for the gold so nice. either way these are they quite interesting. Be bloody it. Yeah, yeah. These are quite interesting. I don't know. Have you ever seen these before? These are little gold bars that you can buy, and it comes on a little, a nice little card like this. You, know, you can just carry it with you everywhere. It's, it's really nice. Yeah, it's quite nice. We've talked before about the machines in the Middle East, in Abu Dhabi, in Dubai, which you put your paper money in, and you can get a gold bar out. You can can, can convert your uh, cash straight into gold via machines. Obviously, the price of gold has gone through the roof in the last few years. I'm not quite certain, but I think it's somewhere just under two thousand dollars an ounce, something yeah, like it's about that. Ni- about nineteen hundred, last I checked. Yeah, yeah. And the price of these have actually gone up as well. These are uh, these are silver rounds. So I mean, I I recommend people pick these up whenever they can. Anyway, these are still relatively affordable. You can get one of these for let's say about uh, let's say it's about forty dollars. You know, and this is for a you know pure ounce. Uh, unfortunately, this one has Her Majesty, you know, her late Her Majesty on it. You know, she's uh, the Canadian um, silver maples. Yeah, go ahead, Bruce. Uh, at, at time of recording, uh, gold is uh, $1,976. Ooh, it's uh, gone up. Silver is $2,385. Yeah, see? Okay, so silver is still... Silver is uh, a lot more affordable. Yeah, st- still more affordable. And it is highly advised that people start picking up some of that if they can. Now, you're not going to get it for the price that Bruce just mentioned. That is what is considered to be the spot price. You're looking, if you can find a dealer, you're looking at possibly 10% markup just because they need to make something on the deal. And as a small business, you know, I, I can respect that. So the dealers really aren't making all that much money on it. So if you can find a dealer, you know, a private seller that is willing to work a deal with you, then it's uh, it's usually worth it. And I've I've got one that I deal directly with uh, in a in a small town here, and he gives it to me for a few above spot. So you know, I, and I understand he's got to make money too. So I, I get it. But anyhow, um, so no, I I see your point there. I actually never knew that about your ships in the Second World War. I never knew that that they carried gold on board. Yeah, all ships, even today still will carry some i knew they carry stacks of cash just in case like 20 grand or, or something like that just in case but, but no one uh, sorry that there's there's no guarantee whoever you're dealing with will accept your currency so you use you know precious metals as a backup because you know once it's in their hands it's like you, there's no point in giving a guy a check uh, because as soon as you leave the wall with all the food and supplies you've just taken on board, you could cancel it. And just cancel so, the but check. You can't, you can't cancel gold and you can't cancel silver. This is true. I was just going to say, I, the Solon is very close. And during the Second World War and the First World War, ships were lost just outside Portsmouth. And there's a, I can't remember the name of the wreck now, but there's a wreck with a safe on there that is known to have killed at least seven divers, people going down to try and recover it. They can't raise the actual wreck itself, but private salvage divers, people just chancing their arm, have gone down, got deep within the, the wreck, 
found the safe but not managed to get out so yeah it's it's a dangerous it's a dangerous activity now the picture you showed me of the the chinese salvage there they were using big ships which would of course still need divers to attach lifting gear to the uh, to the wreck but then it the whole thing just comes up and and whatever comes up they will go through with a fine tooth comb and find whatever they can out of it but it really shouldn't have been happening it is a war grave or they are war graves were war graves now they're desecrated and i'm sure the chinese are very very sorry about that I, i'm sure that they are marty i have some very bad news for you i i, I don't know how to break this to you but sadiq khan uh, london's mayor there you know he wrote a book no 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 if, if he did i wouldn't buy it anyway oh oh well. um not even out of one of those bargain buckets in waterstones other bookshops are available you know like buy one get one free kind of situation i don't I, I can't ever imagine why i would ever want to read his book well but please maybe maybe after you hear the title maybe and and what the book was about maybe it will change your mind he wrote a book about climate change and it was called breathe tackling the climate emergency and as you can see it's got 105 reviews there on uh on Amazon, as you can see, and well, he's got one and a half stars. He's a human rights lawyer. That's that was his job before he decided to go into politics. What does he actually know about the climate for real? Anything he knows about the climate for real is probably told to him by one of the subverted experts that are promoting this myth, this lie. And it's basically in defense of his extortion scheme for the Greater London Council, which is the ultra-low emission zone, which obviously this backs up, or the requirement for which yes, this backs up. Yes, the ULES or whatever it's called, the ultra-low emission zones that they're trying to, to create, which basically, that kind of echoes what you were talking about with the gentleman that was speeding out of control, barreling towards the gates of number 10 last week at approximately four miles an hour, where you're saying that they will eventually at some point just make a, a law or a regulation saying that you can't drive near government buildings and that's the end of private car ownership. Well, this low emissions thing is basically the same thing, isn't it? More or less. Certainly for the people who live in London, I've driven in London maybe five times in my entire life. It wasn't a pleasant experience. The traffic is very, very slow moving. And the only reason I was driving was for work. I had a vehicle full of conference equipment that I was installing at the time in in large organisations like electric, um, you know, power companies, communications companies, and I had no choice but to take my vehicle into London. I'm not going to get all that stuff onto uh, an underground um, train or on a bus or even into a taxi. So most people who have to go to London either park well outside the city and then get trains or buses in. But the people who live in London um, and may work outside of London can't use cars. Simple as that. It, it just doesn't, it's not feasible. But Abu Dhabi, Dubai, the cities are built around the same sort of system as you have in america where you've got the blocks it's all on a grid system british cities are not built that way they're very much more organic they normally follow a water course uh, and with bridges going across from one side of the river to another and the way in which they've conurbated 
doesn't lend itself to a grid system, which is easy to control uh, and you can keep traffic flowing by the use of lights, uh, you know, signals. So to some degree, I do agree that London needs to have vehicles restricted, but it's, it, it is grossly unfair and it's being expanded and expanded further and further out. So pretty soon it'll be, you know, you might be able to own the car, but you won't be able to bloody drive it anywhere. On over to the uh, the Middle East. Uh, I, I know you've got some experience, just a couple of years experience uh, spending a lot of time out there. You are familiar with the uh, the botched pullout of Afghanistan that we had back in the summer of last year, yes? Yeah. Yeah. This is something that kind of caught Bruce and I's uh, attention. It's not really talked about in the news. I don't think this has made the UK press at all. It's not made the American press. There's been some border clashes, as in you've got the Taliban that are moving up to the Iranian border and they're now shelling they're they're you know exchanging artillery shells uh, across the border at each other this doesn't make sense to us at all because first of all they both believe in the same type of islam i believe and both of them are supported by russia and china so how does this make sense this only makes sense if one side if you, if you believe one side or another is being paid to do it because countries like Iran, they may get funding and and uh, equipment from China, from Russia. Uh, you know, their tanks are Russian. Their 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 rifles are Russian. Their uh, rocket propelled grenades are Russian. But they are still a rogue nation. They are still a nation that hasn't chosen a side. They kind of stand on their own. Uh, and certainly the West doesn't like that. And the East is quite happy for it to continue because it's a thorn in the side. It's it's something that, that needs to be dealt with, something that requires resources and time and people's lives being risked to actually deal with. So no one's going to deal with it. No one really cares. No one really cares enough to go into Iran and stop the horrendous human rights uh, offences that that government, that religious burbling bunch of maniacs, um, inflicts upon its people. It's going to continue to be a festering wound that the East has fed and put more pus into. I'm conjuring a gorgeous image there, but that's that's <laughs> the way I feel about it. No, I, I, I see I see your point. I do. Um, and now that leaves the question, if this is, uh, whether this is deliberate or not, I'm just thinking of the wider geopolitical implications here. The Israelis are looking to capitalize on any reason whatsoever to put the Iranians out of business with their nuclear enrichment program. Would this open the door for them? Is that what they're, I'm assuming, I'm just guessing here that it's almost like they're trying to bait the Israelis into doing something. So then they can point the finger of blame at the Israelis. I, I don't quite see how that would work because if the Taliban are attacking Iran, then Israel will go, yeah, this is great. Let's sit back, get some popcorn and watch this happen. Okay, that's fair. You, I, I mean, I was just thinking possibly they would jump in to go along with it. At some Absolutely point. not. There's, there's no way on earth that Israel would help. Israel would not piss on either if they were burning, put it that way. That's fair. That is fair. Honestly, like I said, I nothing's come of it yet, but they've got 
they've they've taken up positions on both sides of the border and they're well, look, just kind of sitting they there. were pallets of millions if not billions of dollars yeah handed to the taliban during that that retreat that totally botched evacuation yeah yeah if it wasn't botched that was exactly how it was meant to happen because biden and the rest of the democrats are playing a very dangerous game and and I don't they think don't they know care. who they don't. Well, not only do they not care, I don't think they realize the full extent of who they're playing against and what they're playing for. Well, no, because they're, they're, they'll be stupid enough to think that, that these people can really be bought off. They're greedy and they'll take whatever you put in front of them. Doesn't mean they're necessarily going to comply. But maybe this is another attempt to create a conflict in the Middle East. Because you look how many conflicts there's been in the Middle East in the last 20, 30 years. It's never stopped. And we've talked many times about how American foreign policy has been to destabilize the Middle East. It cannot be allowed to stabilize, grow into whatever it wants to grow into, because it's too much of a threat to the U.S., Oil dollar. I was making the argument in prep, and I, I wasn't sure we were going to go down this road. But I was making the argument in prep that, I, and I, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. But the research that we've been doing and that we're continuing to do, and and what I'm looking into now, what Bruce has turned me on to now, this is the problem, and this this is where I, I find myself at a crossroads. I, I'm perplexed. I agree with you that the foreign policy issues are a problem, and I, you know, I made this point to you earlier, uh, and just for the sake of the listener, you know, making it clear to them, we shouldn't have made these foreign policy choices. These steps should not have been taken. And the reason that they were taken is because we were set on a path that we were never supposed to be on. We didn't actually win the Cold War as we thought we did. And so as a result of this, and and there's more unanswered questions that we're looking into as well. So I mean, this is not just a one and done kind of conversation, I don't think, because we've got a lot more research that we need to do. But getting back to the original point, our foreign policy decisions that we've made have been at the benefit and the behest of other people that have infiltrated our organizations, and we've done it on their behalf, distracting us in other areas when we should be focused on them instead, if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. that There have been some incredibly bad decisions. I'm in favor of isolationism. Well, not I... I, not I, I <laughs> All right, I'll let you make As your point, in, but I, I have to disagree with you now. Now, I, because of, of what I'm looking into, I have to disagree. But but I'll let you make your point. Go ahead, please. Well, the, the point is this. Each country, each sovereign nation should just worry about itself for a while, look internally, fix some problems on the inside. If you've got a product that the rest of the world simply must have, good luck to you, sell it to the rest of the world. But this whole globalist concept is the problem. America should never have to be the world policeman, as everybody saw it, flying their their young people all over the world into conflicts that had nothing to do with them, absolutely nothing to do with them, other than the fact that their alphabet agencies quite often stirred the shit up that started the conflict. So, Everyone, including the United Kingdom, should mind its own business, rein its neck in, and just look after the, its its own for a while. And then maybe we can start to more engage with other countries. But this is so 
multi-layered and multi-faceted. It's like aid, as in giving aid to another country. It should come without any strings, but it never does come without strings. It always comes with some kind of caveat. We'll give you this aid if you do this. If you put this particular individual in office as your head of state, because we can deal with them because we've already got them in our pocket. It always comes with those kind of conditions, whether it's from the UK, the US, from Russia, from China. It's always Machiavellian, and it's always got strings attached. Okay, so to the point about uh, isolation, okay, so again, there was a point in time when when I would have agreed with that, and it's it wasn't that long ago. Uh, but due to what I have been researching and what I'm continuing to look into, unfortunately, my friend, I don't believe that that's an option anymore. Economically, I'm not disagreeing with you. We do need to turn our efforts inward. We need to recall our businesses from China, and we need to make sure that our national security interests take top priority. That part I do agree with. However, when it comes to alliances where we share common culture and common interests in as far as like um, having workable democracies and democratically run societies, there we have to support each other, I believe. I do believe that that type of thing has to happen because we have nations out there that are diametrically opposed to how we live and how we run our day-to-days, and they want to see to our destruction. And no one nation, rather that's Australia, Japan, the US, the UK, Germany, France, whatever, no one nation can deal with this block of countries that we now have to deal with. The Russians and the Chinese have taken over Central and South America. That is an entire block now. They are taking over Sub-Saharan Africa. They are trying to put the Soviet Union back together again. I don't care what the mainstream media says. That's what's happening. You can see it. China and Russia are allied. The Chinese triad gangs made a deal with the People's Liberation Army and the Chinese Communist Party Politburo to set up cartel networks within Canada and compromise, reverse infiltrate all of their institutions and take the country over. So we're being surrounded on every single front here. So I agree with you in a former time that isolationism, yes, but we have a bigger problem and this problem needs to be dealt with. We're not going to be able to do it in an isolated state. How how do you find your subverted uh, double agents unless you shut things down and start looking into people? Quite frankly, I don't want the CIA looking into things in the UK because I don't trust the CIA. Well, these are that's um, another infiltrated institution. Well, <laughs> exactly. Been for a long time. So we're looking at our M agencies to do that clean sweep. But first of all, they've got to be swept clean. And then government has to be swept clean. And then the big business. But you said it on the on the podcast yesterday. Stop trading with China. Yes. Buy local. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've said it probably about eight times now that I don't think your food should travel more than about 40 miles from where you live to where it's produced. Yeah. Grown, raised, whatever. So why are we buying so much crap from a country that has got horrible human rights record, has got a tyrannical dictatorship crony capitalist system set up although obviously we're not quite ready to reveal all of your research yet but looks like it's got a finger in every rotten pie going just you just triggered a thought there that portsmouth naval base there used to be a massive chinese restaurant which could actually see the main gate 
of Portsmouth Naval Base. I'm sure it was, that it had the best Chinese food around, too. Oh, it was fantastic. <laughs> but it was triad run. Oh, of course it, it was. It was a known fact that it was triad run. My mate, Tiny Bullman, wouldn't go in there. Tiny was six foot eight, uh, and he was from Redka, because that's how, how they pronounce it. The rest of us who can speak English say red car, but they call it red car. He was on one of the patrol boats uh, in Hong Kong and they boarded a triad smuggling vessel and trigger warning, guys. He actually completely decapitated a smuggler with a shotgun. And of course, this news spread rapidly around Hong Kong, um, but Tiny would never go set foot into any of the restaurants you know, Chinese restaurants in and around Portsmouth, Plymouth, or anywhere, because uh, he, he was kind of a marked man. Yeah, I'm sure. Do you know what this map is? This is obviously, this is Alaska. Do you know what these things signify, these red dots? Well, I was hoping it would be missile silos. Um, kinda. Uh, these are the locations of all of our military bases in Alaska. We have arrested a number of Chinese nationals today that were posing as tourists not only snapping pictures, but trying to gain access to these military facilities, just to kind of go along with your story there. Well, this is how deep my paranoia is going at the moment. There's a new section of road near my house, and I was traveling from my house to a barn. This, this is one of the biggest, oldest barns in the country, and it's actually a theater to rehearse a play. And as I drove round the back of a very large naval establishment, I saw two Chinese-looking people in a field with some kind of instrument, like a theodolite, and I thought, what's going on there? I knew Did you what make was a phone call? The Did you make a phone call? Because I would have. you know what? No, no, I didn't, because I, I thought, get a grip, Martin. They're probably just scientists looking at... Um, I'm sure they are. <laughs> they, they were in a field of oilseed rape. Maybe they were just taking measurements of insects or something or i don't know but it did trigger my um my paranoia for just a moment or two but then i thought no i'll keep what i really wanted to do was pull over but i was late for rehearsal and just watch them for a while and see what they did but i haven't seen them in there since so i've been keeping an eye out i i don't know that i would know who to call in that situation to be fair because uh, as we've talked about, um, a number of our institutions are already compromised. So uh, you call in and say, hey, they're legitimately doing something bad. You know, like they're trying to spy on one of our military bases. That could end up getting you marked. That's true. Yeah. Well, what I should have done is just turn the car around at the next roundabout, driven to the front gate of the establishment of, of which I am talking and told the armed guards on the gate. You've got two people at the back with some kind of measuring device, uh, and they are very close to the accommodation. But do they need to do that these days? They don't need to. They've got, you know, Google Maps. They can tell where everything is. They've got the ability to zoom right in on a particular location and see it. And then all they need to do is, if it was to be some kind of um, strike or the planning for a strike, they would have the, the GPS coordinates just like that. So I don't Not know. Only that, I... They, they use lasers. They've been doing this to Hawaii here lately. Uh, they've been using lasers to to map out the, the topography. Uh, 
and some of our uh, states they've been doing this now originally the government was saying oh no that's nasa they're they're measuring the earth and you know doing all that and um no actually the green laser that goes across that you can see uh in infrared um no that's not actually normal that's not nasa that does it they actually came out later and said yeah that's not actually us we're, we're not doing it so yeah you just mentioned hawaii and going back to the first bit about the salvage is it the arizona monument yes in in yes yeah it is because yeah. I've, obviously i've i've been to Pearl Harbor, you know, uh, and visited Oahu. Can you imagine if someone just came along and salvaged, dragged that up from the bottom? Just how? No, I can't imagine. No, I cannot imagine. Just how insulted you'd be. I'm insulted right now. So yes, I I feel your pain. No, I'm I'm not. Believe me, I'm not condoning what the the Chinese did. I think that's terrible by but by every stretch. That's uncalled for. With an organized, well, oh sorry, with a setup at the size of that to recover those ships the scrap metal value zero possibly gold but still not enough to make it worth that much effort the only other thing is some kind of cabling that needs to go down there that they're going to be laying and they had to move those wrecks for their own purposes but it shouldn't have been done it just should not have been done no it shouldn't have all right so i thought that i would end this on something but apart from your surprise i will get to that but i thought we would end here on this and this is something that might interest you uh, i don't know if you've heard about this at all but this has to do with uh, a project that our navy is going to be working on and i'm sure that we would just be so happy as to work on this project jointly with you all or possibly share it with you if we haven't already. Uh, and I'm assuming that by them going public with it, they're already in development and prototype testing of it. DARPA, which is the U.S. Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, has announced a 42-month program to develop a maritime propulsion system, which is known as an MHD drive or a magnetohydrodynamic drive that uses no moving parts and it silently propels ships and boats with magnets and an electric current. What do you think of that? Sounds like the hunt for Red October. It does, it? doesn't it? That's what, exactly what I was thinking. It, it's but a they're actually drive. Yeah, they're actually going to work on this. Well, most ships are now capable of running very silently due to the fact that they've got massive electric motors to turn the props, and the diesel engines uh, are, are basically just used to charge batteries. Some of the newer platforms, obviously, submarines. If you've got a diesel-electric sub submarine and not a nuclear submarine, you've still got the problem of the noise of the diesels makes you easy to detect. So there's 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 got to be a way of... Electromagnets require electricity. Electricity requires a battery or some form of generation. So it's it's going to be a hybrid, whatever they come up with. It's not just going it's to be possible. through the force of mag uh, of magnets. Permanent magnets are not powerful enough to do what that is suggesting. No, no, you're you're absolutely right. They say here that recent breakthroughs in generating high magnetic fields have pushed development past the first barrier to the technology and the challenge of scaling the MHD drive technology up to a full-size system. However, the obstacle of the principles of under of this is a long one. The principles of undersea magnetohydrodynamic pumps or pump 
uh, in order, that's what they've named this program, intends to address this inevitable corrosion, hydrolysis, and erosion of the system's electrodes, which are subject to, uh, which are subject to during use. Yeah. Do you have a thing on, on ships called cathodic protection? Because as ships are laid down and built, you get red decks, blue decks, meaning some are positive, some are negative, and you get this inter, inter-deck magnetism happening. And cathodic protection, basically, as the ship goes through the water with its own magnetic field, you get electrical current flowing around the ship. And it's to prevent that corrosion or erosion of the actual ship sides. But there's another thing that we, we use at sea called uh, degaussing, Gauss being the unit of magnetism. And as you go across the world, so the magnetic field of the world changes and you have to um, continuously update the compensating magnetism on the ship to give it a neutral signal so that things like magnetic mines don't get immediately attracted to it. There's a whole lot of things here, but I mean, the the progress they've made recently with rail guns, which are basically magnetism rather than explosives that fire the projectile at extreme velocities and of course it has to be a solid projectile because you can't have all those different fields working through a high explosive head because it will just go bang while it's still in the barrel so the advances they've made with rail guns will certainly feed into a way of making a propulsion system however it will still need to be charged. It will still need to run from batteries. Those batteries will need to be charged somehow. It could be a day runner in and out of port, maybe two or three days before it has to go back in and recharge, or it will have its own generator on board. That picture is the first one that's been created. That was created back in the 90s by the uh, Japanese. Uh, But that was the first of this MHD drive ships or craft. Looks reminisce to something from like Star Trek, one of the shuttlecraft or something from from that uh, one of the series there. Yeah. uh, And if you look at it, the um, obviously the, the aerodynamics for the stuff that's above the surface and the hydrodynamics for the stuff that would be below the surface, there's no weapons on it. <laughs> you know, that that thing isn't isn't a warship or a patrol craft of any kind it's it's just a sleek looking concept for a, a, yeah. a, a magnetic caterpillar drive ship yeah yeah this well, is this is just a, a prototype step. that one it's a step yeah. isn't it i mean it's it, we have to have a breakthrough somewhere so i mean it's a, it's a step i can't remember the name of the, i think was it the philadelphia story or the philadelphia experiment because they're there's this it's apocryphal sort of lost in legend urban myth type thing that the US government were experiment or the navy were experimenting on making ships invisible to radar and yeah. they set up all kinds of different um fields on this ship and it kind of went into resonance uh for a split second and people were killed when they went halfway through a deck it just fell through the deck, then it re-solidified, cutting them in half. It was a film, but it was based on a conspiracy theory. Sure. Um, that might be one of my favorite conspiracy theories That's that good. I will research yes. and, and come up with some stuff on that. 
Yes, we're we're actually we're looking forward to that because we're go- just we'll add that. Bruce, put that on your notes there. We're going to add that to the um, uh, the conspiracy corner. So that would be a good one to talk about. Also, yeah. your reversing of the magnetic fields on on board ship. I'm sorry, Marty. I don't think that I don't think you you understand. We live on a flat Earth. So, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love that. Oh, yeah. one. I can't I've, wait to do obviously that. Obviously, I've wasted hours and and risked my life several times because there's a lot of big current in those those coils. Yes, uh, in the degaussing coils, and I used to have to go and move them, and make different settings on how many were there? His five coils. His thought process. <laughs> five five coils in all. Uh, and had to change them as we went across the face of the flat earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is is that before or after you got to Australia, which doesn't exist? We're going to talk about that one, too. OK, cool. Can't yeah, wait. that's that's going to be great. OK, so on to the surprise. And then we're going to uh, to jump out of here. Marty, you're a fan of rugby. Yeah. You like rugby? You like watching I the rugby? I do. I used to play. Yeah. 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 I, I know that you and Ned uh, got together and watched the, uh, the the rugby. Was it the final last year that you did that, or was it was it this year? No, we would. I'm sh- pretty sure it, it was. This or was it year cricket? We, or was it cricket? No, no, like, we, we you don't watch. Cricket? I like cricket. Ned's not so, such a big fan of cricket. I don't think anyway. But yeah, Ned and I have played rugby on the same side a couple of times. But yeah, we we were watching the final of the, or the the end of the Six Nations. Tournament. Oh, that's it. Um, yeah, that's it. Six Nations. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The English Premiership Rugby Final took place uh, over the weekend, last weekend, and uh, some of your favorite people decided they were going to jump up out of the stands there and uh, head down onto the pitch uh, with their bags of uh, their orange powder there, and they're going to start tossing them all over the uh, uh, the players there. This is Just Stop Oil, uh, your your favorite group of, uh, of activists there, interrupting the final of the rugby match. Yeah. Any second. There we go. Down you go, son. One of the players has just tackled one of the protesters, and I'm pretty sure all of them got, yeah, there we go. Off you come, son. He's got him by the leg. I'd have had him by the nostrils. See, (laughs) these protesters are weedy little middle-class boys who thought that they wouldn't get touched. They thought that they were privileged enough and that the, the people on the pitch would be under such pressure not to uh, intervene, that they'd get away with their protest. What they fail to realise is that, you know, 270 pounds of prop forward is full of adrenaline, testosterone and anger, which is the thing that gets them through the game. So when an arsewipe like that piece of crap Runs on. Uh, oh, there we go. One of the one of the other spectators has just thrown a, a cup of fluid uh, into the protesters' face. I'm hoping it wasn't beer. I'm hoping it was one of those situations where, you know, the toilet is miles away and he's just used a beer cup as, <laughs> as an emergency latrine to throw at that guy. But yeah, it, it it's just every chance they get they will be pushed into the situation where they will make fools of themselves, spoil things for people. Although, to be honest, you know, it was probably a bit more entertainment for the crowd to watch them get yeah. humiliated and dragged off and have a pint of piss thrown in his face. 
Great well, stuff. the yeah, the uh, the audio there. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm not, I'm not going to play it, but the audio they were uh, the crowd they were booing because obviously they wanted the match to you know to continue. And of course, the players got the you know the orange powder and everything in their eyes. They're all their eyes had to be flushed out. Uh, and th- I mean, I know rugby players are tough. Don't get me wrong, but you know when you've got when you got basically that you know that that's colored sand in your eye. You know, you got to get that fixed. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, rugby players are tough. I'm not saying I'm particularly tough, but. I was playing against a team on the Isle of Wight against Ventnor and we were only a ship's team. So that meant we had 230 people to choose from to pick a team, which isn't a lot. Uh, And so I was playing for my ship and our scrum collapsed, but their scrum didn't and kept coming on. And my top jaw was compressed into my bottom jaw and I actually felt my teeth crack. Oh. Um, <laughs> God. It was a good job that I was getting dentistry through the Royal Navy rather than having to pay for it because I certainly needed some after that game. I would say so, yeah. Uh, American footballers wouldn't last very long uh, in a game like that, I can assure you. Well, I mean, it's a tough game, gridiron, American football, but, you know, we don't wear pads. You guys don't have Kevlar body armor and helmets and all the rest of it, but anyhow. No, and... Back in the 80s, gum shields were only for boxers. It's been a great conversation. I, I know we've been all over the map tonight, but uh, I, I had a multitude of things. And I, I'd be honest with you, I'm I'm very um, I, I'm kind of taking Bruce's line. I, I'm getting I'm getting pretty aggravated, to be fair, because the more we do and the more I look at the day to day as to what's shoveled out there, I'm like, you know what? I don't have time for this anymore, as in like the crap that they shovel in not just the mainstream media. I mean, that's bad enough, but the alternative, you know, I'm doing the air quotes, alternative media, they're shoveling that stuff. And I, I look at it now through the lens of everything that we're doing as far as like all the research and everything. And I think this is all non-pertinent. It's all pointless. So, you know, we're, we're having to, um, to try and, and reinvent ourselves here. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm sorry, we were all over the map tonight, but I wanted to try and have a, you know, I wanted to have some different conversations than we normally have of just skimming the news every other day. Yeah, because the, the news is a narrative that we're being fed. Right. Everything that's happening that is getting reported, it's part of someone's plan. And we can talk from left and right if we if we want to. But we've said all along, party politics is the problem. But the problem goes deeper than that, deeper than that. And if we don't want to get totally depressed and come to the stark realisation that we are fighting against just about every level of our establishment and society to actually have a chance of winning, we have to talk about different things and take them from different perspectives. I don't profess to have any answers, but what I can do is, it's a grandiose word, but I do philosophy about the things that we talk and try to take it from every aspect. And I think that's all we can do is it's modern day. We, we are modern day philosophers, whether we like it or not. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I kind of laughed at that a couple of years ago when you mentioned that. I said, no, there's no, not at all. But in a way, yeah, you're 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 kind of right on that. I can't disagree. But uh, we'll see you next week. Yes. Yes, indeed. Great. And I'm sorry we're not going to have you at the poker match on Saturday. It's it's not going to be the same without you. Uh, well, I, I was out fairly fast, wasn't I, last time? I think yeah, I, wasn't I know. The first I, one out. I wasn't the first I, one out. No, you weren't. And I, I remember you as you were saying, oh, damn, I hate losing. <laughs> as you, as you went out. I do hate losing. 
Anyhow. All right, we'll see you next week, my friend. It's been a great conversation. And I'd like to thank both of you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday.